0: I'm thrilled to bring you a sneak preview of the first episode of Change in One Generation, a new podcast series about young South Africans rising above hardship and adapting to change. The show is hosted by legendary journalist Ruda Landman and leadership expert Dr. Frank Magwego.
1: Hello and welcome to the Change Exchange, where we talk about the change moments in life, how we make it happen, and how we deal with it when life makes it happen. I am your host, Ruda Landmann. The podcast series was born of the realization that South Africa is going through a remarkable shift. Many people who are now stepping into leading roles come from homes where maybe their parents did not have the opportunity to fulfill their potential through study or otherwise. And in one generation, they are changing their own and often their family's environment completely. I'm joined at the microphone by Dr. Frank Magwekwe, whose own story illustrates what we're talking about. He was once homeless, and now he teaches financial wellness and personal empowerment at Gibbs, the Gordon Institute of Business Science in Johannesburg. And one of his main areas of uh, research is the science of change. So, we're going to introduce you to wonderful guests who will tell us their story of change, And Dr. Frank will help us understand it in much more depth by putting a theoretical framework around it. We have a great guest in studio with us today, but I'll surprise you with that later. First, Dr. Frank, science of change, is it even possible to say that, to make up a
2: formula for change. Absolutely, Ruda, it is. I'm so excited. Um, you know, stories of change really help us to unpack how people do change. And often, when people look out to others, they think they're different from me, they're special. That's why they have been able to change in one generation and achieve amazing stuff. So what we're going to do on this podcast is to take away the black box of change, is to bring research, is to bring formulas that are out there. That really speak to what do people who are able to navigate change? What do they do different from those who perhaps are a little bit find a little bit challenging to deal with change? And there lies in the science of change. We need to understand. Those who are good at change, what is it that they do? And I'm sure we're going to learn a lot from our guests on that.
1: You've even distilled what looks like a mathematical formula.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. One of my very, very, very um, exciting moments a couple of years ago was coming across this idea of the change formula. Literally, Ruda transformed my life. I've always been interested in change, my own store of change. But how do people navigate change? Then boom, one day I'm just doing my research. I'm thinking about how to communicate ideas around change. And I come across this formula and it's so simple, Ruda. It's so intuitive. It simply says for change to happen, three things need to be in place. The first one, the individual must have some sense of being dissatisfied with their status quo. In other words, I'm kind of unhappy. I'm kind of, I don't like how things are currently. So that's the D in this formula. Then we've got a V. V really speaks to a vision. I like to think of it more as a compelling vision. You know, the idea that I sit and say to myself, when this change has taken place, there is the future that I'll be part of, and it's so exciting. Right? That's what enables you to want to embark on this change because the vision is so compelling. But of course, research tells us you may be dissatisfied, you may have the vision, but if you cannot take baby steps... If you cannot take the first step toward that change, it will be very difficult to start that journey of change. And so there, folks, you've got it. The change formula simply says D, times V times F has to be greater than resistance to change for any person to be able to navigate change. And of course, it's important, Ruda. I didn't say D plus V plus F. I said times. That is very important and deliberate because what he's telling us is this. None of those three elements can be a zero. As we all know, zero times anything is a zero. You need a little bit of the dissatisfaction with the status quo you need some compelling vision and definitely you need to be able to take those first steps i like to think of them as baby steps and there is the change formula and it will really underpin a lot of our work during this podcast series
1: let me immediately bring in our guest because she's nodding her head off Offense Pizze, you are um an architect mm-hmm. and first black South African woman to conduct and own an all black orchestra. Um Classical orchestra, I assume I mean, they have been bands, but not orchestra Youngest black woman to be a Conductor, Mail and Guardians Power of Woman 2022 Recipient, well welcome
3: Thank you very much, I mean, thank you For having me um, On this very
1: interesting Morning when you're talking about change Formulas, <laughs> why were you what? So, uh, in such agreement With what Dr. Frank was saying
3: I was in such agreement because with change um, There's a lot of resistance right and that that really tied into my story and especially when you mentioned the baby steps right so that immediately took me to when I was a kid and then um all I you know all you have as a kid is just dreams and you you everything is limitless as as a kid and then you grow up and then you're dealing with real life stuff right so I always try maintain um looking at the world with the same eyes i had as a kid right because resistance will always be there so i always try to keep that at the core of everything that i do so that is always my subject matter looking at the world through the eyes of of of, of a child so in that way resistance will come you know each level new level new devil so i, I that's what i say <laughs> new level new devil but if you if you keep your eyes just tethered to that of a a child, you will, um, I guess you will not stop. And that honestly is my formula. I just have to put it down scientifically. (laughs)
1: Let's take you back to when you were a child. Mm -hmm. Um, Your mother and your grandparents played an enormous role. Tell us about them. I mean, my mom was a powerhouse, right? She was
3: a powerhouse of note. You see me, you see my mother, right? So, um, my my mother was an individual, right? See, she always broke molds. She never followed the status quo. So, I mean, also in that era where um, you find that parents are very strict, parents tell you what to do, what not to do. My mom would be the would be very respectful to my grandparents, but would have time to sneak out and be her own person. So, because of that she never told me what to do what to be she she would always be like okay what do you want to do which school do you want to go to okay what is needed and um, i mean at that time um with her educator salary the the little that she she made she always made sure that whatever i needed i never lacked especially in terms of education so that was always at the core of my upbringing my grandparents as well so it was like generational passing on of the proverbial basin of education that you know at, um, in order to be great you need to be, believe in something that is greater than yourself and that was always like my upbringing that education at the core of it but also they, they really instilled being an individual and would always ask me what is it that you want to do and they would always question are you sure about that so I was a kid already reasoning you know I already had that mind so I guess that is the kind of upbringing I had in yes, a you were lucky very educational
1: yeah very educated and educational home yeah. Yeah. Dr. Frank the role of the first people we meet in our lives?
2: I was listening to that with so much interest because a couple of things, you know, come out. Uh, and I think, Ruda, you are quite right when you say you were lucky because often, um, particularly in South Africa, young people d- didn't get an opportunity, you know, to grow up in an environment like that. And that environment is so key. You know, when you look at research, for example, research around change, one of the things that happens when we're young people and we're taking, you know, offense back to when she was a kid is this idea of what is my identity, right? Who am I? And it's not only who am I. Who am I is okay. You're figuring it out as you start. But an even more important question that I got a sense from offense that was part of her upbringing is who can I be? Who can I become? And that really talks to a fancy word we use in research around this idea of social norms. Are you growing up being told girls can only achieve the following? Boys can only achieve the following? Are you growing up being told you don't ask grown-ups questions? We tell you what to do and you listen. Are you being raised with the opportunity, even as a young person, of saying, but this is what I think? and then you get an opportunity to kind of, uh, I guess, argue why you think that way, how you see the world that way, without being told it's wrong, without being told you are too young, just listen to us. So that idea of societal norms is so critical in building an identity. And as you see, I'm sure in this story, identity, a key part of navigating change.
0: People don't spend a lot of time thinking about financial services. They simply think about the money they need to do things and the things they need to do with money. That's why, at BrightRock, we don't think of ourselves as a financial services provider. Rather, we're a money company. In fact, we're the needs-matched money company everything we do is about meeting people's changing needs that's why we created the first ever needs matched life insurance that changes as your life changes and because we want to meet people's changing needs throughout their lives we set out to learn everything and share everything there is to know about change we call it Change Science. And you can learn all about it at the Change Exchange, a free resource that's filled with tips, tools, and inspiring stories to help you navigate change in your life. You can find more on changeexchange.co.za or on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for Change Exchange. Made just for you by Brightrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Welcome back
1: to Change in One Generation, where our guest is Offense Pizze, architect and conductor you managed to go to pro arte the 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 school in pretoria the mm. art school yes mm-hmm. right but it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't easy you were getting up at 4am mm-hmm. um it wasn't the, the school across the road or daddy's suv mm-hmm. um and at the school when you wanted to take music uh, it, you were rebuffed yeah. they said you don't have a piano you're not you one have. of one of us yes yes so I guess when I do a school
3: off, right? You cannot not be from Pretoria and not say that. Muy so months. yes, that's right. Sir. <laughs> so I would get up at 4 a.m. and again support of my mother. So my mom would always she made sure that things were easy. So she would made my lunchbox, my school uniform was iron, my socks were there. I would just have to polish my shoes the night before, and then she would just accompany me by where I would take the taxi. So she would just either be holding my bag or whatever and so that type of support always made me feel like shucks I have to take two modes of transport before I get to this pot of gold which is really my education and really a good education right and then I get to have to get to school half past seven in the morning and I have to go through all of these difficult subjects and all that and still make it through right so and then music your thing art 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 was always my thing. So I was always the one drawing. My mom would bring me like exam pads from school, pencils, pens, and all of these things. So I was just always the, the, the artist of the family and the music thing just came um, again, you know, when you when things are passed on in the spiritual sense from, from one person to the other. So I, I get this gift from my grandfather, right? Who was uh, an exceptional jazz musician who played the trumpet, funny enough. And then he was also a conductor of the Jazz Maniacs. Um, so art was always my thing. But when I got to, to Pro Arts and I saw the music department, I was like, shucks, I also play the instrument at church. I play the trumpet at church. So I just wanted to, and I just wanted to touch the piano, honestly, because I was like, wow, I always see at assembly, they always play this grand Yamaha.
1: And how did you respond when this teacher said, this is not for you?
3: Oh, that for me, it, it shattered any ounce of dream that I had. So for the longest time, I had this trauma
1: response to music
3: right so because remembering how i felt when i you know came across these young instrumentalists from that i was like i don't ever want them to feel the same way that i felt so because of i know how it feels to be told that because you don't have this so you don't have access or we cannot grant you access so i felt like i don't want another young person to ever if i have the power to change that i don't want another young person to ever feel like that
1: so that's the same thought that you expressed in an interview where you said you want to give the black Mm -hmm. child and the black girl child Mm -hmm. a place at the
3: table exactly a seat at the table so because of that i remember even stopping to i would never walk past the music department i would take the longer route so even if i have to go to like an english or a physics class i would just because i'm like even hearing the tones of the piano or whatever instruments would just make me feel like i can never attain that so it would kind of like limit me and I did not like that feeling. So um that was always my I guess the the fuel of how I'm here today because I was like I don't want another young person to ever be told because you are from Bobapani, you're from Katlaho, you're from Tembisa, you cannot um be a musician or even play an mm-hmm. instrument. This is
1: not open for this you. This is not open <laughs> for Dr. You. Frank, you've made frantic notes <laughs> 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 ready
2: I am because I'm thinking, my goodness it's and I, I'm so excited because when we listen to stories of change, we're able to distill, like I said in the intro, those who successfully na- navigate change, what is it that they do different from people who struggle with change? And here we've got this nugget through that. That's why I just had to write it down. So an important part of navigating change is earlier obstacles or earlier difficulties in life, okay. right? Is experiencing. And, and, and we've got a fancy word in research. We call it resilience. Really, this idea of um, successfully overcoming obstacles, overcoming challenges. And it's so interesting that offender used the word that we often attach to the idea, Ruda, of um, resilience. She said she experienced trauma. When she was walking past the music uh, department right and resilience specifically talks to that trauma tragedy difficulties and what happens to an individual who have gone through that they deal with that challenge and we can come a little bit later to how they deal with it but what happens to them is that because they successfully navigated the difficulties a mindset starts establishing within themselves you get, and they fit, say, for change. You get yeah. fit for change yeah. you get prepared for change and you say to yourself you face a few obstacles and you say to yourself my goodness let me think about that trauma let me think about that challenge that i faced. how did i navigate it wait a minute if i could navigate that i'm ready for this one and so we learn and part and of navigating change is having overcome some difficulties earlier in life.
1: And then architecture. Why architecture and where did you get the funding? Oof. Because <laughs> this was before Nesfas, huh? This was before Nesfas. It
3: was in the formative years of Nesfas, right? Yeah. So, um, architecture because, I mean, again, I did arts. So, my gift is the gift of art. So from a kid, I was drawing, like in preschool, kids were drawing Stickman. I was drawing like Spongebob, Johnny Bravo, like cartoon characters, you know, like my gym partner is a monkey. I, I had that understanding. So I don't know how my mind was wired as a kid.
0: To hear the rest, subscribe to Changing One Generation on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify or go to changepodcasts.co.za for more information.